got subjects. I almost said we got topics. But That's right. That would be incorrect. No topics this time. No topics here. The only place on the uh, internet where uh, topics are not discussed. Subject. I'm Tariq. I'm Jenny. And I'm Jim. And this is Subject Lords, the only place on the internet you're going to hear subjects discussed. Tariq, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? I am Tariq. I make video games. You can find them in places that exist. What about in places that don't exist? Can you find them there? You got to look really hard to find them there, I guess. Yeah, if you can manage to get to a place that doesn't exist, report back to me because I'm curious. You could probably find anything there. Is my yeah, guess. yeah, you yeah. can do anything at that point. Like, yeah. you just cracked the code. Yeah. Uh, and Jenny, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Hi, I'm Jenny. I allegedly make video games and I have nothing to plug. Not even the video games that you haven't made? Well, I mean, you can <laughs> you can go find them in a place that doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, are we ready for some topics? Subjects. Some subjects? Oh, no. Jim! Oh, no. You're, you're fired. I've, been... <laughs> I've already lost the gimmick. I've already... <laughs> this show has crashed and burned. <laughs> to be fair, you didn't rename the topic spreadsheet to the subject bucket. Yeah, this has been... <laughs> I think that would have helped. This is going to be a problem. Tariq, your subject is King Leonardo and his short subjects. So King Leonardo and his short subjects, also known as the King and Odie Show, is a 1960 to 1963 American Saturday morning animated television series that aired on NBC sponsored by General Mills. I'm just reading the Wikipedia page. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, it was one of the first Saturday morning cartoons specifically created to be a Saturday morning cartoon preceded only by uh, Hanna-Barbera's Rough and Ready, which I've never seen. It's um, very much sort of, I mean, it's from the 60s, so it's like way before I was born, but I grew up on cartoons in general. And right. I had hand-me-down, I want to say, I want to say it was hand-me-down. I'm pretty sure it was a hand-me-down, uh, uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle oh. blanket or like beds, bed sheet set. I can't remember like what form this object took. I just knew it was something related to beds themed after <laughs> Rocky and Bullwinkle. And uh, King Leonardo and his short subjects uh, is very much in that same vein of era and animation and uh, uh, all that sort of thing. Like very limited animation, like move the characters as little as possible and if you must animate them only animate their legs moving or their mouth opening uh, right. that sort of thing yeah yeah the, the whole like how hannah barbera invented like let's put a necktie on everybody <laughs> so that we can yes. have a bunch of like animated heads separate from the bodies yes exactly do you guys have any like relation to those kinds of cartoons because there, oh, there was yeah. like long before i was a, a, a thought in any human 100 percent. i've got i'm i'm 42 and i've got slightly older parents i guess so they were yeah there was indoctrination <laughs> it's like you will enjoy bullwinkle or you will leave this house and someone else can feed you i definitely saw hannah barbera cartoons growing up it, looking back on it it's not just the animation that was cheap like the Flintstones was just like a knockoff of a, I think 
what was it the honeymooners the honeymooners yeah yeah like and same with the jetsons it was just like mm-hmm. oh yeah the honeymooners again but just in space so not only were they like finding the cheapest ways to animate each episode they were also finding the cheapest ways to like make entire shows like yeah. the idea and people ate it up yeah. Those shows were on the air for so long how many okay i'm gonna look this up how many actual episodes of the flintstones are yeah. there were they just playing the same ones for like i wouldn't be surprised if it was like two seasons and then it was in mm. <laughs> in syndication yeah syndication for, for eternity a... right they had maybe five plots oh my gosh oh no all right six seasons 166 episodes okay yeah yeah that's that's a decent decent not amount the worst. yeah not the worst I did really like, I do remember really liking the Flintstones. I could never get it. I never liked the Jetsons. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I really liked specifically the fact that all the Flintstones technology was dinosaurs. Like that, that was that the is cool pretty part good. to me of just yeah. like, like even, even as someone who as a kid wasn't really that into dinosaurs, just the fact that all of their technology was modern technology, but based on actual other living organisms was fascinating to me so i really liked the flintstones are there any other like early hanna-barbera cartoons that i was really into because there were like some of the later ones that i enjoyed like um dexter's laboratory was uh apparently hanna-barbera what no i didn't know that yeah i'm just i just googled like hanna-barbera shows are there any other ones on this list that i was really oh johnny bravo yeah Uh, no kidding yeah I mean, they were around for a very long time. Are they still around? Are they still making TV shows? I don't actually know. No, it says was. 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 Ah, mm. uh, the classic Wikipedia was. Oh, it was, right. absorbed, <laughs> it was absorbed into Warner Brothers Animation in 2001. Okay, okay. I seem to remember there being um, like a Mario Kart style show where all their characters are get together for a race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wacky, Wacky Racers. racers. Was, yeah. that, was that a whole series? It was at least like a like a Gaiden. Right. Yeah. yeah. That I, I remember enjoying. Scooby-Doo, where are you? The um, Be Cool Scooby-Doo, one of the newer, I think it was like 2015, actually like some super funny gags in that thing. It's got some like Twitter sensibility. I feel like I, I appreciate Scooby-Doo as a cartoon more in retrospect than mm. I did as a kid. Sure. As a kid, I wasn't super into Scooby Doo, but like it's as like an the... adult, I can like look back on it and be like, this this was this was a show. It was it was a fun show. As a kid, Scooby Doo was like getting the Tootsie Roll, you know, on Halloween, <laughs> yes. and you're like, I will eat this eventually. Yes. But... <laughs> yeah, I bet Winston would be into Scooby Doo. He loves Halloween shit. Mm. Does he yeah. like candy corn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. How about circus peanuts? Uh, I don't know. I don't think he's ever had circus peanuts. I've only had circus peanuts once in my life. And it was because I sought them out because I kept hearing about them. Yeah. I like them at the rate of one circus peanut every three years. They okay. don't sell them in those quantities, <laughs> but that's how often I want to eat a circus peanut. How do you peanut. buy just one circus peanut? <laughs> yeah. In the olden days, you'd go to the grocery store and you'd say to a man, sell me one circus peanut, please. And he'd right. reach into a barrel and here you go. That'll be yeah. half a nickel. Right. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to bring a tiny saw around with you so you could saw a nickel in half. Yeah. yeah. Those uh, were the days. That was before money became pre-scored. I, I actually enjoy candy corn, but I feel like I'm the only person in the world that does. I will eat some candy corn. I slightly prefer, you know, those little pumpkins. Oh, yeah, those are good. 
How do you feel about those little pumpkins? I don't. It's I'm unfamiliar with little pumpkins. pumpkin-shaped candy corn. They're the they're like slight a slightly softer texture. It's just candy corn, but shaped like a pumpkin. But there's it it texturally, it's different. Oh man, I have to investigate next uh, next Halloween season. Yeah, yeah, or Halloween season, which is like right now, probably. Basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unless we missed it on the way to Christmas. Yeah. Anyway, I watched an episode. <laughs> I watched an episode. <laughs> oh yeah, how was the show? King Leonardo and his short subjects. It was weird because like there were jokes, I assume, but I can't tell if they weren't funny because it was just a different era or if stuff just wasn't funny in the past. <laughs> <laughs> like the 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 King Leonardo is a lion, like a cartoon lion who is the king of some nation which is known for its bongo production which in my mind kind of places it somewhere in Africa, which is kind of uncomfortable because King uh -huh. Leonardo right. is kind of close to King Leopold, who was a terrible person who murdered many people in the Congo. Right. <laughs> and so that's that that sort of association isn't really great in my brain. Right. Um, yes. That's uh. a, yeah. But counterpoint, though. Uh, according to TV Tropes, King Leonardo's catchphrase is, and I'm just going to guess at the voice here, that's the most unheard of thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> oh, that's a Snagglepuss. <laughs> Snagglepuss did the voice for King Leonardo. Nice, nice. I, so the episode I watched, he definitely said, confound it. Okay. Like, like in basically every sentence or every other <laughs> sentence. Confound it. Yeah, that's what they had instead of jokes back then. They just had, they had they phrases that people repeat. Oh. Yeah, and and so and the and the king apparently has two troublemaking nephews named Duke and Earl, and I guess their catchphrases are like getting mistaken for the other one because they look alike when somebody calls them by the other character's name. So somebody calls Duke Earl, he says, "I'm Duke, that's Earl, folks." <laughs> and then if okay. somebody calls, that's what makes it a catchphrase yeah, as opposed yeah, to an explanation. Yeah, yeah I don't. <laughs> The folks just like added at the end. <laughs> who who are you talking to? Oh, I mean, it's it's to make it a um the that's all folks joke from Looney Tunes. Oh, oh no! Oh, I didn't pick oh, up on that. Oh, I I definitely did not get that one. Wow. Well, it's all in the performance. Did did you did you hear this <laughs> spoken? Yeah. Or did you? Yeah, he said that's all folks, but like I didn't make okay. the connection between that's all folks. But it's okay. also because there was another instance where the other one got mistaken and said, I'm Earl, that's Duke folks. Okay, that, that one doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> which which makes a lot less sense. Right. Yeah. So there were like situations which I read as being intended to be humorous, but <laughs> that just like it was like that sort of thing where I'm Earl, that's Duke, folks. And I like I read that I read that as a joke, but it's just mm -hmm. not funny. Yeah. And there was just yeah. a lot of that happening. There, there was one part that made me laugh, though, which was just kind of uh, sort of an absurd sort of situation where one of uh, aforementioned nephews, Duke or Earl, I can't remember which one, whenever they laugh, they like start laughing at a normal human laughter pitch which is then slowly pitched up like a chipmunk <laughs> and and that sort of effect made me made me really crack up once okay yeah 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 they just need to come up with a new gimmick like that every single time they laugh <laughs> and then you can laugh every time too yeah 
And then someone can slowly pitch up your laugh and make right. someone else laugh. 50 years in the future. I guess the other thing that occurred to me is that like this show is very explicitly for kids, but I can't tell mm. like the age range of kids that such a show would be for. And I guess kids are dumb, so they laugh at more stuff. I don't know. like Especially in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. Another joke I remember is uh, some villain named Mr. Mad talking about his plan to trap the king. And he, he says something along those lines of like, ah, oh, when they will arrive, I will trap them. And then like another villainous henchman character says, how will you, how will you shut your trap? Oh, which is uh, you know, like, I guess that's a joke, but it's just, it's just like, oh, come on, <laughs> you got to have better stuff than this. The Groucho Marx bit about outside of a dog, a book is man's best friend and inside a dog, it's too dark to read. That's a valid joke. That's a good joke. I haven't heard that one, but that's good. <laughs> yeah. So I think people could be funny back in the day. They just frequently chose not to. Mm, right. It also seemed like a lot of times for like a lot of the characters, it was just one dude, which is fine and cool. But it also seems like a lot of the times it was just one dude and he recorded multiple characters in the same take. Mm. So like you could kind of hear the breath between when one character finished <laughs> oh, speaking and is... the next character started. <laughs> That's speaking. a serious cost cutting measure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, that's pretty entertaining. Another thing uh, that I learned, I mean, this has to have been like an intentional play on words in the title of the show, King Leonardo and his short subjects. Apparently, short subjects is just another way to say short film. And yeah. it used to be it used to be a lot more common when referring mm. to uh, specifically short films that are paired with a larger feature or something like that. I feel like that's just kind of like a double entendre, entendre. Uh, or whatever uh that just kind of got lost to time yeah yeah and and it may well be that like every line of dialogue has one of those and you just don't get it oh right yeah maybe maybe these jokes are actually hilarious maybe it's entirely possible i just watched did anybody else watch the explainer from there's a guy on youtube and he goes by somebody the explainer or something and i don't remember (laughs) what his name is i've just watched this one video but it's like breaking down the quote-unquote oldest joke oldest gag in the world and it's the uh the one where a character is talking shit about somebody and then it's like they're right behind me aren't they mm-hmm. and he's tracked this back to i think aristophanes oh wow <laughs> yeah. golly that's pretty great a bit, but it's it's a good video and he like goes into um that thing about how how hard it is for a joke to stay funny once the like popular context, like depending, like the less universally human relatable a joke is, mm. the uh, the more and the more contextual it is on pop culture. Like apparently there's a Nancy strip that revolves around you knowing that people used to take their shoes off in the movie theater. <laughs> is that a thing that people did? Apparently, that's a thing people did. There's just a strip wow. where Nancy comes back, comes home. She there's a panel of her at the theater, and then she comes home and she's wearing these huge shoes. And her aunt kind of looks at her funny, and uh, and she says something about how she got her shoes mixed up in the theater. Wow, I kind of like that as a, just a nonsensical nonsensical yeah. joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was shoe swap day at the theater today. The theater, yeah. Oh, that's pretty funny. The idea of like jokes and gags 
starting out very like understandable and literal, but then as time passes, they become more <laughs> absurd. Yeah, yeah. came up about a hundred episodes ago. I'm gonna guess about uh, Monty Python. Uh, not it didn't happen over time, but it happened when it crossed the ocean. Where a lot of the jokes in Monty Python that were like they were like jokes about pop culture shit in the UK. Yeah, mm. there's no way to know. Right. Uh, but like to American audiences, it's just like it's a stream of Dada nonsense. And that's mm -hmm. and that I think shaped the taste and humor <laughs> of a lot of like our generation. Yeah. Oh, also, the wow. American yeah. per perception of people from the UK. Uh huh. We think you're all completely Dadaist. Mm hmm. <laughs> and illogical. And if we keep watching your comedy, we'll never be proven wrong. Mm hmm. I wonder, like, to what degree that sort of thing then feeds back into British humor oh. via, oh, like, yeah. American media. Yeah. Are we uh, are we ready for another subject? Sure. Let's move along. Jenny, your subject is nervous subject. Yeah. So this is a character from The Sims. Let me pull up his wiki. Uh yeah, so he's a he's a pre-made sim. He shows up in Strange Town in The Sims 2, which was their like wacky alien expansion. His mom is Olive Specter, and his dad is probably the Grim Reaper. Something bad well, has happened you, to this can man. You make Whoopi with the Grim Reaper <laughs> in The Sims. I don't remember specifically for The Sims 2. So you first you have to like Wait for somebody to be about to yeah, die. Yeah, you have to wait for somebody to be about to die. And then someone else needs to be like hiding in the closet uh -huh. for the Grim Reaper to show up and then jump out and be really seductive. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be in a closet. You could be in a cake. You're right. Yeah. Well, I, I am I'm closet pilled. <laughs> that is really interesting because also real talk the sims will just die in front of each other and the grim reaper will show up like he's not shy i had an entire um that's a problem in the sims 4 because everybody kind of ages at the same rate and then oh. eventually they all just die at the same rate i had uh, multiple people die in the same yoga class one time <laughs> the grim reaper didn't even leave he just like walked but it's from... so healthy <laughs> Did they yoga too hard? What was the cause of death? <laughs> they were just old. They were yogaing while old. Uh, it's always a risk. YWO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yet another yoga death. Yeah. But yeah, I don't remember specifically in The Sims 2 if you could romance death. But um, yeah, there are special rules for the pre-made Sims that come with the neighborhoods. And there is a subcategory of Sims player who is really, really, really into like shipping their OC Sims and the pre-made Sims and continuing on storylines and super just gets into the lore, which I never did. But it's a valid, you know, every way to play the Sims is valid. Yeah, I've never uh, actually played a Sims game. I had no idea there were like pre-made characters with their own like storylines. Oh, yeah. Like baked into the game. Yeah, I, this is a thing like the narrative designers at Max's, I'm sure, get paid to do that. I hope they get paid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are how many Sims games are there now? We're up to four. Only four? Probably going to pop out five. Four is like a decade old or something. There's a lot of DLC though, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Right. and there, But there is so much DLC. Like yeah. anything you can think of is probably in The Sims. Mm -hmm. Or at least it was in The Sims 3. Right. And it's slowly, slowly rolling back out for the... The Sims 4. Yeah. Um, so I was looking at a Reddit thread about 
who do you ship nervous subject with? <laughs> so he's got some issues. He's kind of canonically ace or canonically gay, depending on... So Sims have these, these little numerical scores about their uh, attraction or repulsion to the two genders that are in at least the Sims 2 and 3. And um, he's he's at least repulsed by women slightly, and he might also be repulsed by men. But he's also a family sim who shows up with the aspiration to have a golden wedding anniversary. Wait, a what now? A golden wedding anniversary? Anniversary. Anniversary. Is yeah. golden just like a one of the? It's like a fiftieth or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think silver's twenty-five. And... You can be you can be married for fifty years without ever meeting your <laughs> spouse. That's tr- just write to a prison. Say who you got. You yeah. could also be ace and still romantic. That's yeah, true. Yeah, you totally yeah. can. Yeah, yeah, they need more sliders. They can't just... They do. <laughs> they do. They're getting better in... Uh, like, Sims 4 has decoupled a bunch of gender stuff from a bunch of biological stuff. Like, you can have... That's cool. Yeah. Pronouns and pregnancy and sitting there standing to pee, that kind of thing is all on a different tick box. Good. Well, I like the idea that sitting versus standing is not a tick box, but a slider. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, it's like those sitting versus standing wiper controversy which... Ly- yeah. lying down to pee yeah oh no <laughs> i just want to kind of like comment on this guy's his name is nervous mm-hmm. subject his name is nervous subject like first name nervous last, last name subject, subject. <laughs> yep yep he was born to be on this show subject yeah. lords subject lords yeah, so I looked at um who people ship him with. Apparently his only friend is Pascal Curious, who is another sim who debuted in Strange Town and is uh, born pregnant by aliens. So like when you load the map the first time, he lives in the world and he's pregnant by aliens. They got a bunch of like daytime TV soap writers <laughs> to create these characters then. Yeah, yeah, I think this was probably somebody's dream job. <laughs> yeah yeah like you're a teen and you're homesick you... and you just watch soap operas all day and you're like i want to do this I, and i hope they were the ones who actually did it yeah me too as opposed to like like some someone who hated it doing this job <laughs> and then everybody else is like why couldn't i <laughs> <sighs> now i'm reading nervous subjects name on the yeah. sims wiki translated into yes. other languages yeah <laughs> and in swedish uh-huh. in swedish he's named as he's he's named Nervous object. Yeah. <laughs> In Danish, he's Hans Experiment as of The Sims 2. That's pretty good. Yeah. And a bunch of these, I assume, are puns in languages I don't speak or just straight translations. Right. I like Brazilian Portuguese, Nervoso Cobaya. Yeah. Huh. And then in French, it's Hector Cobaye. But only in The Sims 2. In The Sims yeah. 3, he goes to Nervous Sujet. <laughs> Nervous sujet. Nervous sujet. There we go. I can't. Yeah. Gosh, I wish I could read Thai. It's such a cool looking language. So cool looking. I know. I love the script. There's a screenshot called nervous.png, which it looks like it has a like part of a dialogue tree in it. Oh. And like obviously, obviously, we just covered this. The Sims has everything. Yes. But the Sims apparently has dialogue trees. I had assumed it was abstract enough that you could never like they, they invented simlish so that you would they would never have to write yeah. all the dialogue yeah emily emery is saying you don't know the half of it loki kept his nervous subject so miserable that one day one of those machines just shocked him to death 
I wonder if this is the Sims PSP version. Oh, it looks, yes, because there's an X button. Ah, you push the yes. X button to say uh, that happened because he was miserable. Uh-huh. That's the only option. <laughs> yep. You're, you're going to make this wisecrack in response mm-hmm. to a, a story about Loki and subject. Mr. Subject. <laughs> yeah, that's apparently uh, Loki Beaker, who uh, I was going to say inherited him, but I think I mean adopted him. <laughs> oh, not the god. <laughs> I was only I only have that association <laughs> with the god. So the actual god or the Marvel universe character? I guess both. They're kind of the uh, same, right? They're kind of the same. <laughs> yeah. I'm just picturing oh, who's the Loki actor name? I can't remember. Oh, Tom Hiddleston? Yeah, him. I'm just hit, picturing like an ancient version of him like in actual ancient uh where is Loki a god of? <laughs> uh Norse, Norse, Nor- Norway, uh, yeah, Scan- Scandinavia, yeah, all them, all them, all them cold, cold places up the there. Mar- the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah, yeah. I keep saying, like, my head keeps saying Akalabeth. That's something else. That's something. What else? is that? That's like an Elvish word or something, isn't it? That's uh, that was the name of like Richard Garriott's first RPG. Ah, yeah, Akalabeth, World of Doom. All right, all right, all right. Oh, I've never heard of this. The name I never played it. Oh, it's a it's a predecessor to Ultima, which makes sense. Oh, uh. okay. Oh yeah, you get quests from Lord British, and you kill some monsters. So basically, Ultima. Oh, I didn't realize Lord Lord British was across continuums. Basically, yeah, it's he's in every game made by Lord British. Yeah. <laughs> uh it looks like The Sims Two for consoles is a completely different kind of game. That makes sense. Yeah, because there aren't actually dialogue trees in classic The Sims. Like sometimes you'll get someone will I don't know call call you from your kid's school and be like, "Do you want us to yell at your child?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Ultima creator was nicknamed British in real life. Yeah, and so all of his and so his characters named Lord British Lord in British. the video games too. Which Lord British is hilarious as a nickname. Yeah, that's just really funny. The Lord title was later added when he played as a dungeon master in his Dungeons and Dragons games. The uh, the ships in Gradius or in Life Force rather are called the 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 Vic Viper and the Road British, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure is pretty a mis- mistransliteration of Lord British. Lord British. That's pretty good. I was thinking like, oh yes, it makes sense because they're on the road, but that doesn't actually make any sense. And they're not on the road. They're not on the road. He's the son of an astronaut. I didn't know that. I think I knew that and forgot. Huh. Apparently he's been to space as a space tourist. I did know that. Yeah. That makes sense. If your dad's an astronaut. Yeah. Yeah. And if yeah. you're rich. Yeah. And if you're known as Lord British. Yeah. You can do anything <laughs> at that point. Yeah, basically. You can play our never released video games in a place that doesn't exist called space. According to Wikipedia, he got the name, the nickname British because he said hello instead of hi. Oh, this guy is super formal, and we associate that with England. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, he was also born in Britain, but that's not why. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> are we are we ready for another subject? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my subject is Subject Zero, which is another video game character uh, from Mass Effect, and I mainly wanted to bring this up because. As we were like searching for things named subject, like it's super difficult to find pop culture things 
named subject yeah. to talk about. Like try Googling for subject. It's hard. It's not helpful. Uh, but if you search TV tropes or Mopey games for subject, it's much better. One of the things I found searching for subject was a thread on uh, game facts that someone started just to say that like nobody could possibly be attracted to Jack from Mass Effect. What? That's fully untrue. And then like argue with everybody who was like, well, I'm attracted to Jack from Mass Effect. She's so cool. She like hits the center of so many Venn diagrams. I'm pretty yeah. sure as far as things you'll be attracted to. Right. Like this person has apparently never heard of like, uh, like, first of all, they've never heard of Hot Topic. <laughs> then they should listen to Topic Lords, the only podcast on the internet where you can hear topics discussed. So would you say this is like an extreme form of like the goth look? Yeah, sure. Let me get a picture of her up again. It's like sci-fi goth. Yeah, yeah, kind of. I don't really associate it with goth necessarily, but it's definitely uh, uh, like very like the epitome of countercultural. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So this person is like never heard of that, but mm-hmm. they're also the kind of person who like starts threads to argue with people about what they're attracted to. Right. So, so like, <laughs> I've only ever played Mass Effect One, so I never encountered. Mm-hmm. Jack as a character, but I remember like seeing her, you know, in 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 media for the game, and also like like I probably watched like some let's plays or whatever, or like you know video game clips and stuff, and thinking she was like the coolest person <laughs> in the, <Yeah. laughs> and just like oh, rad. She's pretty good. I only played Mass Effect two because Jim was like, hey, do you want to write this thing for my Mass Effect two save files? And did you did you 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 actually played it? Yeah, that's why I played Mass Effect two. Wow, I I didn't know wait, you went that far. Wait, write a thing for your Mass Effect save file? Yeah. Oh yeah. The, so I, I guess we could just talk about this. Oh yeah. Did you write some fan fiction for Jim? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so it's donut based. Oh wow. Glittermitten Grove. In Glittermitten Grove, you can import your Mass Effect two save. Oh. I, I implemented it in the um the the interface to choose a face color, um and. The, the effect it had at, at, the, at first was it just read like the face color you chose for she- for Shepard in your game. And it used that RGB triplet as the color of your character's face in in text world. Uh, but I decided I wanted it to go a little bit deeper than that. And so came up with this. I don't know, Jenny, do you like how much of this puzzle structure was your idea? You came to me with the initial structure already. Okay. Yeah. I think like, you were like... It's going to, your save file, it's going to be like, was the donuts you or was the donuts me? I don't remember whose idea the donuts were, but I I think the premise that I came up with was I wanted it to be based on, I was looking at like a list of like, here's like 10,000 Boolean variables that could be triggered by like your story choices. And I eventually decided like, okay, no, it's just going to be like based on who you've recruited and who's still alive, I think. Yep, yep. Is that right? Yeah, there were like four four states, I think. Like you hadn't hadn't recruited them. You had you were... recruited them and then they were no longer with you or something like Maybe that. Maybe there were three states, yeah. It read that state of for all the all the main characters out of your save and then it at, when you started the game of text world, it would generate like a random state for each of the characters that you had to match in order to solve the puzzle with an actual Mass Effect save. Right, file. so you import your save and it compares all the states. And Jenny, your job was to write a paragraph <laughs> yeah. 
explaining why this character's state succeed successfully or or fails to match mm-hmm. uh the 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 required state yeah and somehow it turned into a thing where it was all about getting a donut i'm sure that was just like well you need some sort of framework to base that could have been either of us that could have been me just going like right okay it could have been like there's 12 of them and you need a dozen donuts yeah. oh that yes <laughs> yes i see how we got there <laughs> Yeah, so I had this spreadsheet open. <laughs> there with like, this okay. is incredible. <laughs> it was an interesting assignment. I don't ever want to repeat anything like it. <laughs> Just sitting there with a spreadsheet going, okay, I need to narratively justify for each character, given the kind of person that I know they are from playing through Mass Effect 2, how would them getting a donut lead to them either being alive or dead? Right. Yeah. So what was Jack's <laughs> situation? <laughs> oh, man. Has someone put this on a wiki somewhere? <laughs> uh, I, I think this is part of the fact. Okay, here we go. Okay. Here's some, an example of um, Jack should be alive and is alive. So you get a donut. Voodoo Donuts on Tuchanka was giving out bear claws to anyone whose skin was more than 90% tattoos. So, of course, we sent Jack. I was worried she'd eat, she'd eat it herself, but it turns out she hates bear claws. That's that's the kind of quality shit they pay me for. And that's if great. Jack is dead, <laughs> but Jack should be alive, Voodoo Donuts on Tuchanka was giving out bear claws to anyone whose skin was more than 90% tattoos. With Jack dead, I don't think the whole crew combined has enough ink to make a single tribal half-sleeve, so we missed out. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's pretty good. These are the kinds of jokes that should have been in King Leonardo. <laughs> there we go. If Jack is alive but not recruited... You don't get a donut. Voodoo donuts on Chichanka, yada, 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 90% tattoos. Of course, the whole crew combined doesn't have enough ink to make a single travel half sleeve, but it reminded me of this crazy biotic girl I met once. Stephen Stanley? Jack. <laughs> That's a classic 50s joke. <laughs> Stephen Stanley and Jack. Remember Med Magazine used to... Uh... Used to call people Sydney or like a, like a hot lady would show up and they'd be like, ah, Sydney. No, her name is Melvin. That was the joke. <laughs> so here's the message. Jack should be dead, but is alive. After a vicious battle with the Black Hole Suns mercenary group, we claimed their great treasure, the Crawler of Despair. Then Jack just straight up ate it. Classic Jack. <laughs> These are good. How can a character should be dead? Uh, I mean, so... If the character was dead, you would you would have kept that crawler. Yeah, so like the random roll for the uh what what state your save file needed to be oh, in. Oh, I yeah. see, I see. Yes, I see. yes, okay, yes. Okay. It generates a, a, a live dead states for everybody. Would you like me to read the remaining two? <laughs> I'm curious now. You must. Enough... <laughs> All right, Jack should be dead and is, so you get a donut. After a vicious battle with the Black Hole Suns mercenary group, group we claimed their great treasure, the Crawler of Despair. It made me miss Jack and how she used to swat crawlers out of my mouth and just straight up eat them. Finally, this is probably the toughest one. Jack should be dead, but is not recruited. Oh, man. How do you even write that? What kind of job is this, Jim? <laughs> we fought the Black Hole Suns mercenary group for control of their great treasure, the Crawler of Despair. But when he opened the donut box, it was empty. Their leader laughed in our faces and said some crazy biotic girl ate it a long time ago. I think her name was Walter. Wait, no, Jack. <laughs> so there's like, there's there's six of these things for each character. I, I think see. there's 12 characters. It was a bunch of work. 
Yeah, that uh-huh. sounds like a lot. <laughs> it was a whole thing. And so you play? Did you did you play through the entirety of Mass Effect? Oh, 2? I did. Yeah. Goodness, goodness. And I messed up because I thought you could like polyamory, and I guess Can you, you can't. Oh. I don't, maybe I just did it wrong. Maybe I didn't get locked out of uh, romancing the other people. Maybe I was just bad at it. So it wouldn't let me, but I was like, I'm going to go with the most boring guy first. Maybe there's only a couple characters who are into it. And like, if you don't do them first, uh, it like locks you out. <laughs> that makes so much sense. Yeah. This, I went with the uh, tortured but boring space marine guy. Tortured but boring space marine. Yeah. Like he's had, he's got a tragic soldier past, but it's not that interesting. What's that guy? I was never interested in the humans. I, I do know that. Yeah. I, I remember... I mostly wanted uh, the 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 chick who never takes her mask off. I was like, "What does she look like under there?" He's just gas. Yeah, gas mask. And then of oh. course, Garrus. Garrus is cool. Garrus is cool. I liked uh, Blue Lady. Blue Lady. Yeah. Wasn't it a whole blue species? Yeah, yeah. but you only got one of them. It was like a like a Disney cartoon, or not a Disney cartoon, but like oh, a yeah. Disney. You didn't, you didn't recruit the entire species onto your ship. That would that would have been a fun <laughs> set of donut stories to write. Oh no, I probably would have sent you an email at like four a.m. that just said, "Jim, I can't do this." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So if you want to uh, read the rest of these donut stories, you can either play Mass Effect Two and then Glitterbitten Grove, and you'll get a combination of them. <laughs> Or um, you can just find the Glitterman Grove fact on, uh, you can get it on Steam or on Itch. No, don't do that. Play Mass Effect 2 and then play <laughs> yeah. Glitterman Grove. Yeah. That's the only That's the only proper way. If you do it any other way, you're cheating. <laughs> you should feel bad. I, I have to wonder if there is somebody in the world who has solved this puzzle without using a save editor. Maybe? So the so the conditions are randomized upon each playthrough. Yeah, yeah. You st- when when you enter text world for the first time, uh, it it generates a new set of of requirements. Golly, uh, I feel like if this person exists, they would have emailed you just to tell you that they had done that. If Frog Fractions Two was as popular as Frog Fractions One, I would say yes, definitely somebody's done that. Mm-hmm. But it was not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's also the intersection of the popularity of Frog Fractions 2 and Mass Effect 2 and right. the people who have played both of those games. Right. Yep. And yep. and imported the save. Yeah. That's yeah. that the, it's just like a the narrowing of the range of people who have done those things. Right. Yeah. It's it was probably a BioWare employee. <laughs> <laughs> are we uh are we ready for another subject? Sure. Subject me to something new. Uh, we're going to be doing this poem on the subject of poetry by W.S. Merwin. W.S. Merwin is this is definitely W.S. Merwin's 200th poem, and he was just like trying for any like I got to have some gimmick for this. Oh, I'll write a poem about poetry. Uh, who would like to read this poem? I guess I could do it. Okay. Can you do it in the voice of any of the characters from King Leonardo and his short subjects? <laughs> do it in the Snagglepuss voice. Oh goodness. <laughs> None of them sounded like that character, but there was one guy who sounded like the character, like the mobster who always said, see, oh, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> he, he was, he was like the recurring, the recurring villain. I guess I could try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If, if, <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. I do not understand the world, father, 
By the mill pond at the end of the garden, there is a man who slouches listening to the wheel revolving in the stream. Only there is no wheel there to revolve. He sits at the end of March, but he sits also in the end of the garden. His hands are in his pockets. It is not expectation on which he is intent, nor yesterday to which he listens. It is a wheel turning. When I speak, Father, it is the world that I must mention. He does not move his feet, nor so much as raise his head, for fear he should disturb the sound he hears like a pain without a cry where he listens, see? I do not think I am fond, Father, of the way in which always before he listens he prepares himself by listening. It is unequal, Father, like the reason for which the wheel turns, though there is no wheel. I speak of him, Father, because he is there with his hands in his pockets in the end of the garden, listening to the turning of the wheel that is not there. But it is the world, Father, that I do not understand. She... <laughs> What the fuck did that mean? I don't uh, <laughs> That was great. Your voice was great. Yeah. What good is job. this poem? I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. I've been doing literary analysis, poem analysis on this on this show. Actually, I was doing it on Topic Lords for over a year, and now we're doing it on Subject Lords. <laughs> and I've learned nothing because this poem <laughs> is, is a complete mystery. I, I I feel like I have some I some thoughts. I don't know mm -hmm. if they're I don't quite know if I know how to put them into words, but I will try. The title the title of this poem is quote unquote on the subject of poetry, right? And I feel like the wheel that doesn't exist to me. I read this as the poet referring to this man who is somewhere and the man that they're referring to somehow embodies poetry in that they are like their relation to the metaphor that he's using them to these using. Right. Does that make sense? Like the wheel doesn't exist, but, it, but this man is listening to the wheel that doesn't exist. And he is sitting at the end of March, which is an impossible thing to do, but it's the sort of thing that happens specifically in poetry okay and so in my mind it's like this man is sort of in some way an embodiment of the concept of poetry in that he is then that he has these relationships to impossible things that's as far as i got i don't know yeah that's better than anything i got yeah sold so <laughs> i found uh, on another website that hosts this poem there's a comment section and there's a comment that says it is what can't be said to measure, say, what might be there, can be there, separates us from it, unequal. To listen before listening is perhaps as close as we can be. But why do you oven the hot food out eat the cold food? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make fun of this guy because there's a good chance that he understands this poem way better Absolutely. than I do. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I kind of get where he's coming from. I feel like I kind of get where he's coming from. <laughs> I like this poem for what it's worth. Like okay. even if I even if I don't quite know what it means, like it's it's really up my alley with in regards to like the way it uses language and yeah. the way it uses the way it describes impossible things. It's kind of interesting because the way "father" is repeated, it's like either a confessional or a prayer. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know which, but 
Yeah. Sorry, my mobster accent kind of, <laughs> I don't know what happened to it partway through. <laughs> it was funny. You went a little Deckard Kane at one point. <laughs> I was thinking about uh, Bane from oh, the, yeah. the, the Batman sequel. Deckard Bane. <laughs> Very good. I was born in the darkness, father. <laughs> <laughs> the darkness at the end of March <laughs> is the darkness at the end of March. My Bane always turns into Sean Connery. I don't. Oh yeah. <laughs> I found a Google Books result about understanding W.S. Merwin. Hmm. Do we? On the subject of poetry, does it draws attention to at least two features that persist through all of Merwin's work? First, poetry for Merwin is not hortatory. 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 <laughs> so, like that was when I knew this book wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I gotta look up hortatory. Tending or aiming to exhort. Huh. Now I gotta look up exhort. <laughs> <laughs> strongly encourage or urge someone to do something. Hortatory. Tending or aiming to strongly encourage someone to do something. So what I'm getting is W.S. Merwin doesn't give a shit if you do anything after reading his poems or not. Right. That's cool. That's what I want in a poet. Wait, so his poems are not hortatory. I think right. that's that's what she said, Richard. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what it said, yeah. There is no call to action in his poems. Okay, yes. He does not include a Kickstarter link. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't tell you to like and subscribe. <laughs> Are we uh, ready for another subject? Sure. I reckon so. Tariq, your, your subject is royal subjects. Hey. So I wrote an essay on this. No, I didn't. I don't know what to say about royal <laughs> subjects. <laughs> I was consumed with looking with 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 learning about this cartoon. <laughs> yeah, I think initially when you said you wanted to take point on royal subjects, you were thinking of it as a segue into King Leonardo and his royal. Yeah, yeah. Short oh, subjects. That did not occur to me. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. I, I put it in the wrong order. How do we feel about monarchies? Good, oh, bad. <laughs> I'm again them. Yeah. I'm also not really, not really. I like elected officials. Mm, I'm a mm. Republican in the sense of like republics. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. It seems like as humans, if we don't have anybody to kind of like care about their sex drama in an outsized way, like their sex drama and scandals, we will make those people out of literally anybody mm -hmm. oh interesting yeah. so i mean like that is the function that a monarchy serves but i don't think it needs to be served by a monarchy per se right they don't need to actually be in charge of anything right yeah right yeah we've got the kardashians absolutely right. yeah yeah i've definitely heard the argument made that um in the uk we've got the royal family for the um for the drama and we've got parliament for the actual governance <laughs> But in the U.S., we demand that our elected officials serve both capacities. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wish they wouldn't. <laughs> oh, so that's what you say. By, and by you, I mean, like, the vote of the entire nation uh, uh, says otherwise. <laughs> uh, I mean, personally, personally I'm, I prefer to get my petty uh, social drama by just getting really into, like, a sub-community on the internet. Mm -hmm. yeah and creating monarchy out of some of those people find a find a forum that's still going yeah yeah uh, chris is on this tropical fruit tree forum 
Nice. Oh, goodness. Is there drama there? There is drama there. Tropical fruit tree drama. Because some of them are climate change deniers who live in Florida. And Chris is like, I don't want to rip it, like continually rip you a new asshole in view of the mods. But also, how are you a climate change denier? And also you grow tropical fruit trees. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, here's how you're wrong. Are these people from the Miami Fruit Organization? I don't know. There's a Miami Fruit Organization? Well, MiamiFruit.org, which I oh, refer oh, to as the Miami Fruit Organization. Is that the place that sends you the, like, I get the ads where they're like, we'll send you a box with like a banana as big as your head? Yeah, yeah. They'll send you your their, their novelty fruit. Those guys wait, might wait, be cool. Wait, I, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me I can get a <laughs> banana as big as my head? This is news to me. No, as big as Jenny's head. Oh, yeah. We might have similar. My head might be smaller than yours. I don't know. It's hard to tell on the webcam. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, you go to MiamiFruit.org, you're going to find a box of fruit that you want. That's pretty true. <laughs> okay, um, I have to go to MiamiFruit.com. You, you can get the big mics there. What's the big mics? Oh, the old the old bananas. Yeah, the varietal oh. that, that uh, went almost extinct extinct due to um, parasites oh. and because they were all genetically identical. You can grow them at scale enough to sell to people on the internet, just not in grocery stores. Oh, goodness. But spoilers, I like I got a banana variety box for I think it was for a birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all they all taste like they're bananas. all bananas. They all taste like <laughs> it's just a banana. <laughs> I mean, they do look uh, aesthetically interesting. Some of these bananas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with a banana. Like I'll eat a bunch of bananas. I won't eat a bunch of bananas. I'll eat a banana. Okay, maybe you should get a different variety box then. I'll get a. I'll eat a banana like every few days. You know, that's the nice thing about bananas is that unlike circus peanuts, you can just break off however many exactly bananas you want and just buy them. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go. I'm going to Amazon.com right now. I want a single banana. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean at the grocery store, but maybe. Yeah. I think I accidentally did that on like an Instacart order, like the height of the pandemic. I put in quantity one and I thought they were going to deliver me like a bunch of something or a pound of something. Like a box and, of, yeah. yeah. It might've been bananas or might've been a potato. I don't know. It's just like, they just gave me like one. Yeah. Like during the first dot-com bubble, like in like the late nineties, mm. there was a startup in San Diego uh, that would just you could order something from the grocery store and they would deliver it to you at cost. Oh, wow. They would just eat the cost of delivery and you just pay for the item. That is wild. Like a friend of mine was talking about how like, yeah, I ordered a, I ordered a Snickers bar from them. They just brought <laughs> it to my house. Wow. And then wow. after that, I just ordered a Thin Mint. Like, <laughs> a single Thin, thin Mint. mint. A... You can't even buy those on demand. You have to find a Girl Scout. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what it was. Someone but it was... driving around in their rideshare delivery business looking for a Girl Scout. <laughs> something similarly uh, small scale. But yes, actually, that would be very funny if it was something that was just like, bring me a moonbeam in a jar. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like turning into like a video game quest giver. Yeah. <laughs> like a witch. They have, okay, so I see MiamiFruit.org has seeded bananas, which reminds me of, uh, so my mom was visiting like recently, like a a couple weeks ago, and she was like staying with me, and I had, uh, I was eating a banana while she was here, and I was also eating pretzels, like, but just the stick, like the thin stick kind Mm -hmm. of pretzels, not not, not in pretzel shape, Uh and I was, and so I took 
one of my pretzels and I just sort of <laughs> stuffed it into my banana. <laughs> so you got the pretzel and the banana? So I got the pretzel and the banana and I said, my, my banana has bones. And... <laughs> <laughs> what did your mom say? Uh, I, I, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't get it out without laughing. <laughs> and she was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Where did I go wrong? <laughs> and she said, you're a born guest for subject lords. Yep. Yep. But I uh, speculated, I speculated about the possibility of breeding uh, bananas with pits. Oh. Uh, mm. So like, like instead of like, so I see the bananas that exist here are like, it's like a banana, but it has like a bunch of seeds in it, kind of like a watermelon. Uh, yeah. I did not know that these existed. I didn't know this was an option for bananas. Like I didn't, uh, but but like my my in my head, I envisioned them with just a single large pit yeah. in the in the center of the banana, yeah. like a long pit or a roundy boy. I mean, I guess if it was round, it would be kind of a surprise because it might be at any height in the banana. You know, it might <laughs> yeah. be low, it might be middle, it might be high. Uh, versus a long one, which would basically just be a banana bone. So I don't know which one's funnier, which whichever one is funnier. That's interesting. So if it's if it's rounded at some height, then it potentially there would like it would like find an evolutionary niche for um probably towards the top of the banana. Because I'm thinking you open a banana, you don't really want a banana right now. You you made a mistake opening this banana. You take one bite and you're like, and then you spit the seed on the ground. But if the seed's way down there. <laughs> So yeah. wait, 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 wait. So is your <laughs> is your speculation that people will eat all the way down to the bottom of the banana before they decide to spit out the seed that they don't want? No, or... my speculation is that people probably will not do that. Oh, I see. I see. So so the banana wants to the, the seed wants to be in the place that is most likely to be uh, uh, immediately discarded. Eventually, they're going to evolve so that when you open the banana, the seed just comes out and hits you in the face and then falls on the ground and then you eat the banana. So it's maybe good that bananas don't have little round pits. Well, you'd have to just like face them towards your enemies oh, yeah. if you open them. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm thinking of like the cartoon versions of like when people use bananas as guns, like they hold them like a gun and then they like squirt out the banana part. Yeah. Right. But imagine if there was a seed in it. It's like putting a rock inside a snowball. Yeah. Oh, man. That's hardcore. That's how you know you're hanging with the hardcore kids. So that's Royal Subjects. <laughs> you know, there's got to be a way we can make this happen for avocados because that's mm. that's basically what we're describing. Yeah. Oh, you want to make an avocado banana shaped? Avocado gun oh. where you you have to you hold the avocado like a gun and then figure out how to open <laughs> it such that the seed like pops out and hits somebody in the face. Huh. I mean, an avocado is more hand grenade shaped. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's even got that little thing that you can pull out. The I feel stem. like you could say stem. that about most fruit. <laughs> oh, we're getting back this to is, hand fruit. This is kind of shaped like a hand grenade. This orange is kind it's of not, shaped like a grenade. It is kind of shaped like a hand. Yeah. <laughs> the strawberry is kind of shaped like a grenade. <laughs> this rambutan is kind of shaped like a grenade. Oh, I don't even know that one. Rambutan? Yeah, it's in the lychee family, but it's uh, it's on Miami fruit. It's got it's got like like hooks, like Velcro, like hook and loop. Oh, I've seen these. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I've seen lychee, and then okay, so they look like them. Yeah, it'll stab you in the fingers if you aren't careful. It's a terrifying fruit. 
Oh, the little the little pointy points are pointy, not just soft. They look like they'd be soft and kind of. They're not horrible. They're not like a choya or something, but they can, if you have an especially uh, uh, susceptible area of skin. I, there was another adjective that I was going to go. A mucous membrane. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you have a mucous membrane, maybe be careful eating rambutans. <laughs> maybe get someone else to peel your rambutans. Golly, all this fruit on Miami fruit is so expensive. It is very expensive. Blackthorn durian for $222. Golly. So a single much. one? I think it's a single one. And wow. that doesn't include shipping. No. Shipping calculated at checkout. Subscribe and save. will <laughs> make it so you only pay. Wait, you can order fruit every week on, and it'll be delivered every every Friday wow. for $199. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> that's much less. Each box contains one whole frozen blackthorn durian. I'm going to tell Chris to give up all his other fruit trees and just start growing these durians. Yeah, they're but worth 250 bucks each. Yeah. Who buys this? Who is spending $222 on a single durian? Do you remember when only royalty could have pineapple? No. I mean, I don't remember that because I wasn't alive <laughs> right, then. Yeah, right, yeah, none of us were <laughs> same, alive then. Same, but that was that was totally a thing. Aren't pineapples like like a symbol of swingers or something now? Yeah, yeah, you turn them upside down. <laughs> I'm not yeah. familiar with this. I, I forget how I found out about this, but yeah. Upside down pineapple means you're ready to go anytime, anyplace. It's, uh, pineapples are also, I think, like a historical symbol of hospitality. And so like a lot of hotels uh, still use that as a symbol for them. Oh, that makes sense. I was at a hotel one time. They were having a swinger convention and also a toddler beauty pageant at the same time. That's an interesting combination. I think, yeah, I feel like the the cultures fit together. All these all these swingers who who have been promiscuous and ha now have children and now have need, children need a, just... need, need a reason to uh, uh, like get all of their toddlers <laughs> away from them so that they can continue swinging. Ah, so here, here you go. You're a pageant child now. I don't make the rules. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. A subject. Oh yeah, subjects. Oh, 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 subjects, oh, oh. Jim. This time, we all agreed. <laughs> we did. Jenny, your subject is subject 13. Okay, yeah. So this is a video game that I played like, I don't know, a half hour of before this podcast. It's a good thing we got to this subject or else that half hour would be wasted. <laughs> right? I know. Uh, at least I didn't play through the whole thing like I did with Mass Effect 2. <laughs> <laughs> so subject subject 13, as far as I can tell, it's various. It's a, I think it's for 2015 point and click adventure game it's very video game like it has many of the components that a video game would have like there's a facility it's released in 2015 on dvd what <laughs> huh where are you where are you seeing this yeah uh on moby games the box art says pc dvd adventure classics oh man it oh. does but all the release dates are 2015 and on huh Moby Games might, for the first time in its existence, be wrong about something. Is PC DVD just the publisher? <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely the same game as the box art. All right, tell tell us more about this video game. It it had so much video game shit in it. There's like a facility, <laughs> and there's a guy, <laughs> and his name is uh, Franklin Fargo, and he's got this. This tragic backstory where his wife, I guess, like I was, I just read this on the internet. His wife gets killed in a holdup that was intended to kill him, even though he's like a scientist. 
the only part of that you get really is like he's trying to drown himself at the beginning and then he's on this facility and there's this uh this ai talking robot like uh uh what's her nuts from crisis core not crisis core the other one not the bioshock static shock ah the things just system, exist in system my shock. system shock system right. shock Dino Thank crisis. You. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. Well, what's the, okay? What's the name of the robot though? Is it Xerxes? I don't think the robot introduces themselves. Oh, the robot from System Shock. Yeah, there's Xerxes, and then there's the other robot. It's not dissimilar to Glados, I don't think. <laughs> it's not Xerxes. It's the Sados. other one. Shodan. There uh, we go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming with me on this journey. <laughs> Yeah, so there's there's video game shit, there's the facility, and there's machines that are power. They're like uh, hooked up to consoles and pipes, and they're powered by stuff. And at one point, you get to solve a 15 slider puzzle that's also a match three. And I have to admit that I enjoyed doing that. That's at least it's a, a thing that you can do. <laughs> yeah, in a video game. It's more than, it's more than <laughs> I can say for most 15 puzzles. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm looking at screenshots. Is this entire game like 3D or are these are the backgrounds like pre-rendered and stuff? Yeah, it's a it's one of those pre-rendered backgrounds, kind of your Final Fantasy VII kind of deal. Okay. You can rotate a little bit. I don't think I've ever seen like a point and click adventure in actual 3D. Mm. Well, aside from was The Walking Dead. Does that, is that a Yeah, Telltale yeah. stuff is all 3D. Tell, telltale stuff. Telltale yeah, stuff, yeah. That's right. Other than Telltale stuff, it, it like I most associate point-and-click adventures with either pre-rendered or just mm-hmm. fully 2D graphics. Yeah. Yeah. This does look pretty pre-rendered, some of these backgrounds, though. This is, this is a modern game. This is made in Unity. Oh, wow. That is wild. Yeah, oh, it's made by the same like... person that made Flashback. Yeah. What's wow. Flashback? Flashback was the worst sequel to uh, Another World. Was it, a, was it a sequel or was it? Wasn't just, it? I thought it was just in this. I thought it was just like a, a different game in the same genre uh, in the same engine. Maybe I don't know how you would even describe them. I've always called them like animation-based platformers. Sure, but I don't know if sure. there's like a better term for them. Like uh, 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 the original Prince of Persia, Flashback, Out of This World, Slash mm-hmm. Another World, um, Heart of Darkness. I think also is, is sure. another one. Yeah, that was that was definitely a sequel. Yeah. Oh my god, I just googled the word flashback. That's not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, according to this, the this, the um, the genre is cinematic platformer. I mean, that's basically okay. what I said: animation-based platformer. Sure. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I'll call myself right on that. <laughs> I'll call you right on that too. Yeah. Uh, it's actually a, it's a it's a genre of game that I have wanted to make a game in for a very long oh. time. Oh yeah, I'd make that with you. Are you gonna mocap yourself? <laughs> no, I want to. So that's the thing is I want. That's the thing I want to do different is not use uh-huh. mocap and and just like do not things have the a hard human way. Subject. <laughs> <laughs> have a sphere. Well, so yeah. Uh, yeah. I, this is I don't know. This this is probably the right uh, medium to talk about my <laughs> game idea that I want to yeah. make someday. But uh, yeah, I, I had the idea like the game idea I've been thinking of for a long time, where like the platforming is sort of animation based cinematic platforming, but then when you get into a fight, it just turns into a beat 'em up. So like the 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 movement based like tile grid just disappears, and you can like run around and fight. And then when the fight ends, it goes back to sort of grid based uh, animation based movement. 
I always thought that would be kind of just a fun juxtaposition of uh, game modes. Yeah, that does sound interesting. Yeah. Uh, Another World, very good game. I liked that one. Never quite made it through Flashback. I think I'm conflating Another World with Beyond Good and Evil. Very different game. Completely different games. Not even the same title. They're both French. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. Yeah, I guess so. Beyond Good and Evil is Ubisoft? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I remember really liking that game. I remember other people really really liking that game. Did you not? <laughs> oh, I I mean I don't I don't trust my my uh my taste from back then. I didn't know what was good. Mm. Past Jim had lots of opinions. That's right. That's all the time we have for topic lords. <laughs> hey. Subjects. Subject lords. Subjects. Subject lords. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I've decided I hate all social media. So I'm on there, but don't look for me. Can can we find you on the Subject Lords Discord? Yes, you can. Sometimes. When I remember to look at it, which is never. Just just uh, tag tag Jenny's username and then... We should start a Subject Lord Discord. Just us. D- just for the three of us? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have the group chat already. Like we It's just... true. Say, can you uh, title those? Because it needs to be titled somewhere. Yeah, you can. Oh, you can. Yes. Nice. Oh, that's pretty good. Oh man, yeah. everybody, pause the podcast. And uh, Tyreek, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? I'm um, Four Bit Friday, all spelled out like a word. No, not the number four is not the literal uh, a character of the number four. It's the word four, and then the word, the rest of it's Bit Friday. And then I'm on all of the social media stuff, freaking still on Twitter because that still exists. And then Blue Sky is happening, freaking co-host Mastodon, it's freaking uh, Instagram. There's, you know, this is all the stuff. I, I try, like, I don't use most of this stuff, but are I you, try. Are and, you not on threads? I'm not on threads. Fuck threads. Yeah, screw threads. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I read about threads is terrible. Yeah. And nothing no, is good. No interest. My, my main thing is I just try to get my username but I don't know why I'm so intent on that. Just because nobody else has the same username right, as me. Yeah. It's not like it's it's not like it's a common username or anything like that. Yeah, but. I do kind of want to get a blue sky invite just so I could park my domain. Oh, you oh want I have one? one. I can give yeah. you one. Yeah, yeah, we got some. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I wasn't going to ask anybody because like they're a scarce commodity. Uh, they're not that scarce. Yeah, no, I got like. <laughs> three of them oh apparently they're not that scarce okay thank you you're welcome yeah and thanks so much for being on thank you for having us thanks for having us always a fun time hi this is jim this is the audio i append to every episode of subject lords congratulations to our newly anointed lords this episode was edited by esper quinn who can also edit your episode if you contact them on twitter If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the subject bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. And you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode.